0: What's going on, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement, and hopefully one day, a true proletarian revolution. But until we get there, I am your host, Josh. Thanks for stopping by. I hope that, you know, this is something that was worth Spending the next 20 to 30 minutes listening to um, because, you know, today we're going to talk about everyone in America's favorite topic, and that is freedom. You know, here in the United States, we are just the most free people there's ever been. Uh, We got all kinds of t shirts, all kinds of textbooks, all kinds of apparel and military members as well as government officials and capitalist industrialists who will tell you we are incredibly free. And who's to doubt them? You know, these are the people who give us our jobs. These are the people who decide our laws for us. These are the people who build our schools, our education, our curriculum. These are the people who designate and decide what kind of socio-political and socio-economic structures that there are. These are the people who run our government, who operate our state, as in the unified or organized suppression of one class by another, that is the state. These are the lovely people who run our entire society, so of course, there's no reason to doubt them because obviously we are so free that we need every single one of these people designating for us the different ways in which we get to live our lives, the different things that we get to learn, how we get to learn them, what we get to learn about them, and how much. These are also the people who get to decide for us what laws we get to follow. And now that's just a real incredible and real, you know, instrumental uh part of freedom is the ability to have laws which, you know, serve the purpose of another group or a class that you get to follow. Because, you know what they say about freedom? If there, you know, isn't conscription and the threat of imprisonment or death, are you even really free? And I mean, come on now, guys, we we say this all the time. Here in America, you're free to live, or you're free to die. And ultimately, that is based upon your ability to get yours. Um, because that's what really capitalism is about. Is So, first and foremost, you have the ruling elite, the wealthy owning class, which is in the dominant and driver's seat. They are in control of society. Those are the people I was talking about who are in control of our education, in control of our economic system. Those are the people who write our laws, who uh, preside over our court system. Those are the people who get to decide what countries we trade with. Those are the people who get to decide what the minimum wage is, how many hours we're required to work to get overtime pay. If unemployment insurance and Social Security will stick around, that's the ruling class. And then you have those of us in the working class. And those are us who have to get hours in order to get by. So any kind of freedom that we have is really the freedom to work or the freedom to earn in order to not die. But you also have the freedom to die here in the United States. That is, unless you commit suicide and fail and then uh, the United States and actually multiple other countries do, you know, have the willingness and ability to try you for attempted murder. So, you know, just the freest place in the world. And what really tops it all off, right, what makes it the most free is how free the market is. Under capitalism, I'll tell you what, there's ever been. And here's the best thing about the free market is we all have to participate in it whether we want to or not. We all have to dive into this formal version of interaction, of relations, of production, of distribution and consumption. That's what's so great about it. That's why it's so free. It's because we don't have a choice. There's zero ability to work outside of that formal uh, economy. That's what's so, you know... Great about it, but I'll tell you what, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, dishonest or, or, uh, you know, a traitor of any kind here. But I, I do want to present, and I know, I know what you're thinking, guys. There couldn't be a critique of capitalism. There couldn't be. It's so natural. It happened, and it's functioning so well. And, you know, there's never been anything different than it that's done better. There can never be anything different, and there will never be anything different. Because, well, you and I just decided that there's never been anything different, and there will never be anything different. So why even change? I mean, it's not going to work anyways, right? Well, here's the really cool thing about the free market system. It is not free in the slightest. Now, there are some of those, there are those who would capitulate on that and say, well, maybe at one point in time capitalism was free, did have supposed free markets. But even in the earliest stages of capitalism, where certain sectors of industry, certain sectors of production and distribution, as well as consumption, weren't cornered off by massive cartels and monopolies. Prior to that, there were still massive versions of inequality between those who were able to partake in what Marx and Engels and others have called primitive accumulation. That is the domination of the world, the exploitation of the labor, the resources, and, and the uh, economies of the surrounding areas prior to the installation of capitalism within the world market. Um, At this point in time, there were individuals who had uh, more power, had the ability to accumulate more wealth than others. So there really wasn't even truly ever a free market period. In this system, which we are told today is still a free market system. So what they mean by free market, according to what they tell us, is that everyone is free to participate in the market. However... What they do not say is who gets to participate in what way in the market. Who does the free market benefit, and who does the free market exploit? Because if there are such things as free markets, and there is such things as free competition, then just like every other team you've been on, just like any other sport you've watched, There's those who are good, who are winning, who are the best on the field, and then there's those who showed up and eventually just make their way to the bench or don't even make the team. So, this freedom of competition, right? What that really means is you are free to compete with Fortune 500 companies. You are free to compete with some of the largest industrial powers this world has ever seen. You are free to compete with nations who get trillions of dollars in loan servicing and other forms of money, which are then dedicated towards things like militarizing Afghanistan in order to exploit the natural resources and the labor there, as well as the drugs such as heroin, where, uh, you know, Afghanistan being where the United States military has set up a huge post for drug trafficking. Um, That is where a majority of the world's heroin comes from, thanks to the United States and its uh, hired goons under the CIA. Um, But, you know, this isn't necessarily the only way that, uh, this freedom of competition goes down, because, you know, if you're free to compete with these massive, massive corporations, with these huge banking firms, then truly you're not free to compete at all, because, you know, in the same way, me, when I was 14, walking onto the baseball field against some 18-year-old kid who was throwing a fucking 90-mile-per-hour speed, uh, speedball, Jesus Christ! Fastball. That's how you know it's it's been so long since I've given a single shit about sports. I used to play baseball every fucking day, and I just called it fucking speedball. That's awesome. Anyways, um you know it's the same way as uh, you know, if we want to get dive back into other versions of my childhood, we can get biblical here. It's like David stepping up against Goliath, except unlike the mythical story from the Bible, we do not always win out with our slingshot and our courage. Uh, Oftentimes, we are left unemployed. We are left without any kind of social or economic safety nets. We are left homeless. We are left without medical coverage or insurance. We are left die. Again, the free market and capitalism, as well as capitalist democracy, only gives us the freedom to either live or die by our own choices. Ultimately, it's more like you have the freedom to die, but you also have the freedom to try your hardest to not die today. That's I guess, a better description of the freedom that we have here in the United States. Um, So, this is not necessarily a problem we suffer from explicitly or exclusively here in the United States, but I like to center everything around the United States for the sake of this is where I live, this is where my struggle will take place, this is where my struggle is taking place, and this is also where a majority of my listeners are from. So, uh, unfortunately, we do have to focus on the United States. I know we already have to do that a majority of the time, and I am sorry for adding to that, but in the United States, some of the most kind of prevalent contradictions within a capitalist system are on the fore anyways and are a little bit easier to see and understand because of how incredibly unequal the division of wealth and power is here within the imperial core. So, the freedom which we receive in this mode of production, where we are free to compete with these massive uh, conglomerates and capitalist powers, we then become living capital. So you have Capital which can be employed by those who own it. So, for example, you and I cannot go out and hire workers to go work for us. We don't have the money to do that. If we want to make money, we have to be the ones to go work. That makes us living capital. We are on a day to day basis being sold to an owner the same way that any other tool is, and we are used to make that purchaser more money than they expounded in order to purchase us. If you want to use the term higher, you can, but that ultimately doesn't change the relationship nor the essence of the relationship which this system creates. You are either capable of living, and I I mean by that, surviving at the bare minimum, having health coverage, having a home, having food to eat, having any form of subsistence in order to make it to the next day. You either have that intrinsically. You're born with it or you're born into it, and therefore... You don't have to go work. You don't have to go to a job. You don't have to, you know, whatever, try to go out and accumulate wealth somehow. You already got it. You already got the capital. You need a home, boom. You got one. Maybe you got a house that's being handed down to you, right? You need a car, boom. You might get one handed down to you. Now, there's a lot of us who will fall into this realm that are still proletariat, that are still... You know, a part of the working class. But, you know, I'm not really talking about those folks. I'm talking about the folks who, when they turn 16, their parents hand them down a brand new car. And when they get the house from the parents, it's not a bedroom or two bedroom single floor house with no land. If that, it's a huge amount of land with a house that has far much more room than the family could ever need it for who probably doesn't pay any property taxes, probably doesn't pay any inheritance tax, and so therefore just, you know, gets off in life, right? And even that, you know, there are some people who fall under that who aren't truly the ruling class. They might have interests that lie with the ruling class, and that much is important. So we would call these people probably petty bourgeois, which means that when push comes to shove, they are going to choose the ruling classes' side, the bourgeoisie's side. I don't know why I split it up like that, the bourgeoisie's side. Um, and because of this, we need to know that distinction. But also, at the same time, when I say there are some people who have, I don't mean some people who have some. I mean there are some people who own so much of everything. That they will never go poor, never go hungry, never go wanting for a single thing in their entire life. And then there are the rest of us, a.k.a. the majority, the working class, the proletariat, the oppressed people, who have to work in order to make money, in order to have food. Who need to work in order to have a home. Who need to go out and make money. Through laboring, our labor force, our ability to labor, is the only thing which is making us money, making us capital, which we can then use in order to buy our bare means of subsistence. This is what a minimum wage is intended to do, to be the bare minimum subsistence. That's why it's called a minimum wage. But this freedom of competition, as we see, is between the haves and the have-nots. If you have a competition where half of those out on the field have cleats, have... We're going full fucking baseball this episode, guys. There's some people who have cleats, who have baseballs, who have baseball bats, who have helmets, who have gloves... And then there's some people who might be out on the field with just a fucking shirt on, if they're lucky enough to have that. That's basically the inequality, generally, in a weird analogy about baseball, that we could, you know, really see uh, uh, the examples of the ruling or the owning class versus the working class. Now, the working class, as we know, has to work for every single thing that it gets not truly a free system. I mean, if I want to go out and go to the doctor's office, well, i got to have health insurance, and in a lot of cases, to have health insurance, I either have to pay out of pocket, or I have to have a job which takes a, por- a portion of my paycheck and dedicates it to health insurance, which allows me to get a doctor, an eye doctor maybe, probably not a dentist, um, because as we know... You don't, know, you don't need teeth to work. And until you do, you're not going to see dental covered by most health insurance. So anywho, this is a pretty non-free system. Uh, the freedom of competition is truly the freedom to compete with your fellow working class people for who's going to survive, who is going to have a job, who is going to have a home, and food on their table, and safety, and who is not. Excuse me. We fight for the scraps. We compete with the suffering masses, which we are a part of. This supposed freedom is not freedom at all. The United States, and many other countries like it, exist on a lot, which is the equality for all is truly equality for all. There can never be a truly and purely egalitarian system, especially not under capitalism. Because again, under capitalism, there are those who own the means of production, those who own everything you need to produce goods in order to sell them, and those who have to work construct, distribute, produce, and pay to consume those means of production. If this is so, there's no true way that we can be equal, but we are told because of certain laws that have been passed that we're all equal. but we know that even among the working class there are not true equi- there is not true equality. The differences between different subsects of the working class such as different races, different ethnicities, different genders and sexual orientations. These are all things which lead to further and different forms of exploitation. But all of this, all of this is to show that neither capitalism nor what we call today democracy have any ability whatsoever to provide true freedom, true equality for the working class. The only democracy, the only freedom that is to be had is for those at the top, the ruling class. That is why when we hear, we are a democracy, we should ask, a democracy for who? And that is when when they tell us we are free we should ask who is free, and free to do what, and free to do what where, and free to do what with whom for what purpose. Because there are those of us, such as the Proud Boys, the KKK, and others, who can organize openly in public for things such as hate crimes, race riots, anything else. However, those of us, such as communists, have a very hard time going out in talking about overthrowing the ruling class. We have a really hard time going out and instructing people as to why capitalism is an exploitative system and why they, the ruled, the oppressed class, is not truly free, is not truly equal to the existence of the ruling class. Freedom cannot exist in the abstract. Freedom is a material thing. There are countries where people are free to go to the doctor at any point, at any time, for whatever reason, with no need to expound any of their own personally gained money. There are places in the world where people are free to organize politically in order to campaign against the ruling classes. There are places where people are free to go amongst their lives without needing to have a job, without needing to have some form of employment to survive. There have been places in the world where people are not conscripted to a system which is solely in existence for their own exploitation for the means of the profiteering of the ruling class. These are true freedoms. The freedoms which we are told that we have, the abstract freedoms of things like freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of the press, again, for who? Because I can't go and talk like this on CNN. I can't go on Fox News and be expecting that I'm going to be able to go on a five-minute lecture about why fascism is on the rise in the United States and we have to take it down. I can't do that,
1: and I'm certainly
0: maybe free to publish a book about it, but you're never going to see it as any of the New York Times bestsellers. You're never going to see it on the front page of the Washington Post. You're never going to see any conversation like this that has any substance, that has any substantial attempt at change. These things do not allow Uh, uh, Or I should say, this system does not allow for these such freedoms. So then again, we should be asking, freedom for whom?